0: And you can find that link in the show notes. Hello there. This is Allison Scammell, and I absolutely love this episode. And I am so excited to share it with you. I chat with intuitive life trainer and business development mentor, Heather Alice Shea, about how to trust your intuition. And she offers amazing insight on how to use research-based intuition methodologies to help you integrate intuition in your life and business. Heather shares her amazing journey to learning to trust her intuition, explains how the intuitive voice works, and offers some daily practices to help you build a deep trust to that voice. Heather ends on a challenge that will leave you using your intuitive hits to fill your business with just the right clients so please stay with us until the end welcome to she grows a podcast for soul guided women entrepreneurs ready to grow their income impact and inspiration each week we're going to explore how to align to the soul of your business and grow it from there i'm your host alison scammel let's get growing Hey there, She Grows Nation. That is the name of this sisterhood of soul-guided entrepreneurs. At She Grows Nation, your heart is CEO and you're growing your wealth to serve more people using your unique genius, intuitive voice, and spirit guides. In today's episode, we explore the world of intuition with the amazing Heather Alice Shea. Heather is an intuitive life trainer and business development mentor who certifies Emerging Coaches into Purposeful and Prosperous Coaching Practices that Thrive. She is the founder and CEO of Atmana Coaching Academy, the world's first research-supported intuitive life coach certification and business development company that formally integrates intuition into the coaching process. I had so much fun exploring this topic with Heather and May you receive as much from it as I did. I am so incredibly excited to have Heather Alice Shea on the show. Thank you so much for making the time to chat with us.
1: Oh, thank you, Allison. I am so excited to be here talking about, I think, a subject that you and I both are super jazzed about 24-7. So it's great to be here.
0: (laughs) That's about right. So you have an absolutely incredible personal story, journey story. Um, So it's very rich and there's so many layers to it. Can you share with us your specific journey to journey to learning to trust your intuitive voice? And I understand that's a huge question, but, um, where, where you feel called to share in that?
1: Um, yeah, well, first of all, thanks for the opportunity to do so. Um, I think the overall gist of the point of, you know, my personal story with respect to learning to trust my intuition is, is this, that you don't have to be one of quote unquote, those people to learn how to follow your own inner guidance. And when I really first woke up to my intuitive abilities, that was the biggest hurdle I had to it. It was like, Oh wait, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not one of those people. I didn't identify as a person who was intuitive. I thought it was all hokey, weird, um, you know, crystal wearing, you know, people wearing like billowy clothing and, and draped in crystals. And I just, it just wasn't me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a very, very grounded and practical person. I grew up in the country, uh, in a very conservative, uh, religious family. Um, it just wasn't something I, I, um, that I identified with and it, and it wasn't because I wasn't highly intuitive. As I look back on my life, I realize I've been incredibly intuitive and psychic since the day I was born. Um, but I just didn't understand. I didn't understand what intuition is. I didn't understand its place. Uh, as a legitimate faculty, a right-brained faculty, an information gathering tool, just like our logical linear minds, I just didn't understand it. So, um, yeah, just to make a long story short, uh, when I was in my late twenties, I was diagnosed with a chronic illness and this illness landed me in the hospital. Every year, with a you know, having a surgery a year, uh, and it was really incredibly painful. And the condition itself, I was diagnosed with stage four uh, hemorrhagic endome, uh, endometriosis. So, the condition itself wasn't life threatening, but I had a you know, a myriad of other um, medical conditions coupled with chronic surgeries and illness. Um, by 2000, And that started in about 2008. And by 2012, I was so far down and so far gone that my life actually was um, in danger. And every year the doctors would say, well, this surgery is going to fix it. And, you know, we don't know what's going on over here or what these symptoms have to do with it. But, you know, well, if we go ahead and take out your other ovary into, you know, that'll do it. So um, I used to joke with my friends and say, I'm on a weight loss plan. I'm just losing organs every year and, you know, getting down to my goal weight. But um, (laughs) in 2012, I had, you know, a major, you know, big one major surgery. It was a full hysterectomy. They took everything out and I failed to recover from it. It was really kind of a bad, a badly done surgery. And I had this moment where I realized like, holy shit, you know, I might not, I might not make it out of this surgery. I'm not recovering." And, um, and I was having these really weird mysterious attacks that nobody could figure out what they were on top of you know the, the endo and the surgeries and all this stuff. And I, I, I was very cognizant of the fact that the doctors had absolutely no idea how to help me other than just pump me full of pain meds, which I refused to take at that point after five years of it. So, um, so I was very cognizant of the fact that I was alone and that I was in trouble. And about six months previous to this big major surgery, which happened in August of 2012, well, I had discovered meditation. Now, the Heather back then was like, "Well, this is hippie shit, but I've heard it <laughs> works. So <laughs> so uh, this is some hippie shit, but the research I was uh, in my undergraduate finishing my undergraduate and uh, I was getting a bachelor's of Science in psychology, and I was a research assistant for a cognitive psychologist. And we were doing research on human cognition and memory clusters. And so I had access to a huge, you know, university library of, uh, of research on uh, the efficacy of meditation and its ability to reduce, uh, pain and manage pain. So I was all in, right? Because the research was very, very clear that meditation was an awesome thing to try. So I had found when I did this, I, I could drop into states of meditation quite deeply and quite easily. And uh, this one night recovering from, you know, and having this surgery, realizing I might die long story short, I went into meditation to get some answers. I was incredibly angry and pissed off um, and upset at basically the cruel conditions of the world. Why am I suffering? Why am I being punished? Why is God doing this to me? I've tried to be a good person my whole life. You know, just the whole gamut, like basically pissed off at God. I call it my Lieutenant Dan moment. Um, I don't know if you've seen Forrest <laughs> Gump, but Lieutenant oh, yeah. yeah Lieutenant Dan on the yeah, shrimp and in, boat. The, in the storm. Yeah, that was me. I was like, I mean, I was like, I won't say it on this pod. It's actually totally blasphemous, but I was like, basically, F you, you're going to answer me. I want to know why this has happened to me because um, I was convinced I was going to die. I don't know if I would have physically passed away or not. All I know is in that moment, I believed that I would. I had the ego death, right? So long story short, I went into this meditation, just hell bent on getting answers. I was so freaking angry. Every fiber, my entire body was shaking. I was just enraged. There's no other way to say it. Calling down God, buddy, like you and me, we're about to get into some shit. And um, I heard very clearly, all of a sudden, it was like this bell went off in my head. And I heard a voice that say to me, Heather... It was very calm and it said, You can remain in your anger and your bitterness for however much time you have left, or you can choose grace and forgiveness. It's up to you. But you better choose. And I was like, Oh my god, I'm getting somewhere. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't scared. I was like, fuck yeah, bring it on, you know. So um so yeah, long story short, I, I knew that I had a decision to make and so I chose to to let grace and and forgiveness and make right, you know, say it's all right. You know, if I die, I'm okay. I'm so blessed to have this life. And I worked it out. And, you know, all the only thing I asked for in this meditation was, you know, cause I kind of went into the meditation, like, I'm going to get my answers. And, by the end of it, it was like, who am I to even ask? You know, if I'm gonna forgive and let go, I'm gonna do so entirely. I'm not even gonna ask for answers. I'll ask for nothing, other than this, I had, you know, was in this kind of this like weird state of unconditional love, which I know sounds kind of stupid. But um for those not of that, at all. Yeah, for those of that <laughs> who've experienced it, you know, it's a very real state of being. So um yeah, I just said I just want to feel more of this. And I fell asleep to the meditation and I woke up that next morning and I was completely physically healed like my physical body, not, I wasn't like, I felt better. Like, no, like my was fine. And I've never had an attack since I was completely physically healed. Like the whole surgery, the whole deal, my surgical incisions were still sore. But other than that, I was completely fine. I hadn't been able to stand up straight for weeks and I was able to stand up straight. And not only that, but I could still hear that voice loud and clear. And it took me about eight months to figure out what the hell was happening to me because, you know, I was like, what, what is this? But I, you know, through my research to figure out what it was and how it works, and I found an incredible mentor, I discovered uh, that human beings have this really cool ability to communicate with what I call, which, you know, the infinite field scientists call it. Some people like to refer to it as just, you know, life force, In Star Wars, they literally call it the force, whatever you want to call it, God, spirit, who cares? There is an intelligence behind every living thing and every non-living thing. Well, first of all, everything is living, but there's an intelligence to all things. And human beings have an innate faculty that allows us to communicate with it. And so since that time, I've spent my time teaching people exactly how to do that.
0: That is a... Truly beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing. Like when you said, you know, you can choose grace and forgiveness. It just like chills all over my body. So powerful. It's so empowering as I hear you tell the story that you have this choice, right? And what that choice led you to is really miraculous. So I want to get into how this works and you're doing something that's really extraordinary and you're you know, doing real research on how the intuition actually works. I'm a highly intuitive person. I, I have a hard time researching. It's just not it's not what I'm meant to do on this earth. I'm a trust my gut and go kind of gal. But my clients are often asking me, no, no, Allison, I really want to know why this works, how this works. So what do you say to people who ask you how this whole intuitive voice thing works?
1: Well, that is a I mean, I, this is literally a 4-hour presentation for me to answer that question. So I will um I will say the first thing you have to do is unlearn. So the reason why people like I can tell you how it works and people still won't get it because they are under the assumption that it's something that it isn't. And so the first thing we have to do is address the myths around it. And once upon a time, the myths were legitimate because we did not, in fact, have the research behind how human beings communicate energetically. So first of all, we have to understand that intuition is a language. Now, it's not articulatable. It's not primarily articulatable. It's not cognitive. It's affective, emotion-laden, cognitive. Uh, logic laden, right? Like the kind of the operating system of intuition is not a cognitive uh, operating system. It's an affective, it's emotional, it's energetic. Okay. So first off, intuition is a language and human beings are bilingual by nature. We have one part, the ability to communicate energetically that doesn't require, uh, you know, sound coming out of my mouth. Um, it doesn't require me to understand it, right? And by understanding, I mean, just caught my neocortex understands the process, you know, our, ne- our logical linear brains like to make sense of things, right? We want to understand it and that's wonderful and powerful. And we should absolutely validate the logical, critical, analyzing, you know, thinking part of ourselves. That's very, very, very important. However, it's not the only story. It's, it's only one half of who we are. And so um, the first step is to realize that intuition is like a language and to understand that it's your primary language. It's the first language you ever learn. Research shows that children in utero, we can now show that children in utero with their mothers feel their mother's feelings and understand their mother's feelings and feel their own feelings. So before you ever utter a syllable, you don't start speaking language until you're what, 10 months old? You start uttering words. If that, I don't know, bye-bye mama, Dada. You know, you're out of the womb for a year before you start on that, on that kind of communication. And yet we know we communicate. We, babies communicate with their mothers before they're even out of the womb. So your first language is an intuitive language. It's based in feelings. It's energetic. Um, the second myth is that some people are intuitive and some people aren't. That's not true. Um, everyone, like, you know, kind of when I started with my story, it's like, I'm not one of those people. It's like, um, yeah, you kind of are. If you're vertical and human, you're, you're, uh, you're an intuitive. So the first thing to understand is that, um, uh, intuitive communication is a hardwired, I'm going to use a $10 word, psychophysiological process, psycho mind, it's Greek for the word mind. uh, Psycho is mind, psyche mind, right? And by mind, we don't mean brain. We mean the affective, emotional thoughts, feelings, parts of the human, of, of the human being, right? So this non-physical aspect of what it is to be human is just as, as real as my physical body, right? Okay. I can't show you an emotion, but we all know anger is real. So, you know, the affective part of, of the human being, um, that, that is kind of where uh, intuition originates. So mind, body, so psycho mind by uh, physiological meaning body, it is a hardwired mind body process. Every human being is born with period end of story. Just like you are born with the ability to innately learn language, ride a bike, play a piano, play basketball, any other thing, any other skill you would learn, you're hardwired to be able to learn to do this. Just like you're hardwired to learn language. Every human being on earth can speak a language. There's no baby born unless they have some type of brain damage or, you know, cognitive or physical deficiency. We're all born hardwired with the ability to learn language. So it's the same thing with this intuitive language. So, and also, research shows that um, intuitive ability is a is a stable baseline trait, cross-cultural. I mean, cross culturally meaning that all human beings have it. It, does, it doesn't matter where you're born, what your socioeconomic status is, what your culture says, what your religious uh, ideology is, it doesn't matter. This is a hardline uh, psychophysiological process all human beings um, have. Now some people do have more intuitive ability than others, but you know I would strongly argue that Michael Jordan was born with more athletic talent than me too, right? So yes, some some people have a proclivity and a natural ability to be more intuitive than others. But that's true of any skill, right? That's true of any other, you know, some people are academically oriented. Some people are mechanically oriented. So so that's the second thing. So the first thing to understand then is that intuition is a part of who we are. Every person has it. It's a right brain, non-logical, non-linear information gathering tool that with practice You can learn how to use and access at will. So, the intuitive development isn't about becoming an intuitive. It's about taking a currently unconscious process and making it conscious. So, a person like me, I can turn my intuition on and off. I can use it just like a skill, like any other thing. Like I pick up a pair of scissors and use it to cut a piece of paper, I can turn my intuition on and do it. It's a right brain information gathering process. And I know how to do this because I've practiced, I've spent you know, the last seven years doing it full time for myself and other people. So, um, so I think if people can begin to wrap their mind around that and accept that, then you can get into, okay, here's exactly how the process works. This is what the scientists have said, you know, how we kind of know it. But if people can grasp that, that it's not some, and it it, it actually has nothing to do with spirituality either. That's another myth that intuition is spiritual. There's nothing spiritual about it. I know people who are so, oh my god! Like if you look at the research on entrepreneurial intuition, uh, repeat serially successful repeat entrepreneurs are some of the most intuitive people on the planet, and these they're, they call themselves atheists. Half of them like they don't even yeah. believe, you know. So right. so it's not a spiritual faculty. It is a create. I I really characterize it as being more of a creative faculty. Um, now it's true that a lot of intuitive people identify, you know, and kind of think of it as spiritual and identify into their intuitive gifts that way which me me too. I mean I I'm, I'm I'm one of those people for sure. But I think it's important to demystify this and take it out of the realm of, you know, religion or spirituality or or anything um you know kind of new agey like that.
0: Yeah. That's really interesting. I never really thought about it that way. I always Put it in the basket of spirituality, which I don't really even like that word, but I always just use it so people understand what I mean, and I don't have a better word. Um, but um, I like how you're describing this. Yeah, well, and and again, the reason why we relegated intuition
1: into the realm of spirituality is because that's what we had to do because we didn't understand the process from the scientific lens. But now we do, and so now that we can explain it, it doesn't have to. Um, we don't have to use. Spiritual language or religious language. Yeah. Okay. So it's, uh, yeah. So there's a kind of a corollary with this. Um, You know, before Freud, this is in the early 1900s, came out with the model of the uh, tripartite nature of the human mind, right? We have an unconscious mind that we're not aware of, we have an ego. That we kind of operate in every day. And then we have this thing called the superego, which is kind of like our higher self, you know, our moral, our moral regulatory system. Oh, you know, don't eat all the cookies. Your sister wants one, your sister want one, wants one too. That's being a bad boy, right? It's the what you should do, right? Your morals and ethics. Um, before that, before he came up with that, we thought people who did bad things were just evil and they were possessed by the devil. So we threw them in you know, we threw them in jails and stuff and said, you're a bad person and you deserve it. I mean, we have to realize we're 120 years removed from that type of thinking. So again, until some really smart guy came along and was like, yeah, no, there's this thing called the unconscious mind and it's not the devil. So now we cannot use religious language to talk about why people do bad things, right? Because we have a better theory. So, um, it's the same within, it's the same with intuition. Once we understand that we quite literally have a sixth sense. It's not this abstract figurative idea. We literally have one. It's organ based. Like you have a nose, you have an eye, you have eyes, you have ear, your ears, hear your skin, feels your taste buds, taste. You have a literal organ. Well, it's a conglomeration of organs that, uh, that, that intuit. And so that's, that's how we get into how intuition actually works. It's to talk about, um, that those, hardwired biological process on how we actually receive the intuitive hit and then process it in the body and in the mind. Mm. Does that make sense?
0: It does. So, so good. So good. So good. So we're talking about building trust with this voice, with this sixth sense that is in all of us. And I'd love for you to share an experience to kind of kick that part of the conversation off. If you would share an experience when your intuitive voice asked you or called you to do something that your rational brain deemed crazy or a bad idea. And it ended up being exactly what you needed.
1: Hmm. I don't know if my intuition has ever asked me to do something that my left brain thought was a bad idea. Um, because I don't see these processes as separate. I, I think that what my intuition has asked me to do is do things my left brain doesn't understand. And I think that there's a strong distinction. That needs to be made just because I don't understand something yet doesn't mean that it's not the right move, right? So my intuition asks me to do things all the time that don't make any sense, but nonsensical. I always say this all the time. Intuition is it's not irrational and it's not illogical. It's not counter to logic. It doesn't compete with or defy logic. It's non-linear. It's non-logical. And there's a difference. Non-logical doesn't mean illogical. It means just not of the logical pathway, right? Again, we have these two languages. So I see intuition as just being non-logical. Um, and sort of when my intuition tells me to do something or, um, or I feel like maybe this is the way I should go, I really kind of more just say to myself, okay, well, Heather, you know, this is probably the right move. And as you move forward with it, you know, I am paying attention with my left brain, you know, kind of my logical, rational process to help me tease out. Um, And I I have that happen almost every day. I feel like Um, a big one comes to mind in 2017. I was four years into my coaching practice and my heart just told me, you need to go to graduate school. And I was like, why? I'm already doing the work I love. I don't need another degree. I just, I don't need it. And my heart said, yeah, you do. Because you're called to something greater. And even though you can't see how this is going to help you and you, you I couldn't see that bigger picture. I just knew that it was the right move. Um, and so I did it. And all, everyone was like, what are you doing this for? Is it just to get a piece of paper? Are you checking a box? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm just checking a box. Like, That was all my logical, like, as I tried to justify the decision, that was kind of what I was saying at the time, like, oh yeah, I'm just checking a box. It's going to make it easier. Well, little did I know how much I was going to grow and how much I was going to learn, you know, about facilitating the healing of the human soul through, you know, this formal education that I received. So, um, yeah, I don't think that ran counter to my goals, but it certainly felt irrelevant or like, why, you know? So I, you know, I think it's about, it's all about how you want to live your life. And um, for me, I want my heart to make, to decide the destination. And then I want my brain to help me figure out how to get there because that's what it's really good at doing. You know, my, the brain is really good. Like you're left making plans, analyzing data, you know, checking the, 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 the pathway for pitfalls, you know, it's really good at that stuff. So um, but I always want my heart to tell me what to do. I can let my head figure out, you know, the how. Um, but I think it's best to to use both of those processes. And every time I do, um, I think I end up in a bigger, better place than, than, uh, than I could have gotten to had I just done what is quote unquote, sensical or rational or reasonable. So
0: Right, right. So what do you say to people who struggle, have this struggle to trust this intuitive voice?
1: Um, you know, it's a, I think the first thing I would say is it's okay. You know, you've been taught your whole life it's wrong to listen to it. from the moment you come, but from the moment you are old enough to, I don't even know, feed yourself. You know, it, by three, you're being socialized. Don't do that. Do this instead. You're a good girl if you do this. You're a bad girl if you do that. And I understand that, you know, of course, we need to be socialized into our cultures and into the world, right? I'm not saying all of that is unnecessary or wrong. But what I am saying is that it does rob you of your own sense of sovereignty within yourself. And it does kill, you know, your right to stand up and say, no, this isn't right for me. So uh, I think the first thing is to just say, like, dude, you've had it beaten out of you um, through no fault of your own. It's no one's fault. Um, and a part of awakening is to reclaim your own inner truth. It's, it's not that we don't listen to the guidance of other people. It's not that we don't listen to, um, you know, what our parents or friends or other people say. I think that we would be fools to think that we have all the, you know, no, like we're one, we're, we're here in a world sharing a, a co-created reality. I think it's really important to listen to other people, but I don't think we do that at the expense or detriment of our own voice because we are sovereign. sovereign so I would say it's okay. Um, you cannot lose your intuitive voice. It's still there. The truth is you, you, it's probably guiding you more than you realize. It's just that you've lost the ability to hear it, to understand that, it's, that, that that little voice you hear in your head is guiding you or to see the synchronicities that do happen in your life as it guides you, because it's always there. There's no, again, there's no such thing as losing it. So I would say the first step would be to just recognize, wait a minute. Yeah. You know what? I, I do have a right to listen to myself very deeply. And it's scary to do that because we don't know what we're going to hear. And we're taught that what it's going to tell us is bad or wrong. Right. So, um, there's just a lot of programming, I think around that, that that we as human beings have to really start to confront and reclaim for ourselves.
0: Yeah. Yes. 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 So good. So good. And what are some daily practices to help us build a deeper trust to our voice of intuition?
1: Um. The f- so yeah. Well, this is where we get into kind of the Atmana frameworks. The first step is you have to cultivate us inner awareness. So you know the research is really clear on this. Unless you have. you've got to foster the ability to pay attention to your inner world. So we're very exterior focused. We're very like physical world driven, right? Material world driven. And so the first step is to start paying attention to your inner reality and holding that inner reality as valid as your exterior reality. That's the first step. And, you know, this is like kind of why we see meditation on the rise and, you know, people really getting into um, practices that pull us within like yoga, meditation. Um, those are wonderful, wonderful practice. Journaling is fantastic. Oh my gosh. Journaling is a wonderful tool to help you get within. So, um, I would say, you know, if you meditate five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night, that, that is going to move the needle so big time, like you can't even imagine. (laughs) It doesn't sound like it would, but it really will. So um, you know, some type of meditative practice. I think journaling is fantastic. Um, but really just starting to understand that your thoughts, your feelings, um, your reactions to people, you know, let's say you're in a conversation with someone and somebody says something stupid or something that you're like, ugh, you know, the the need your reaction is to be like, oh, that person is so being so ridiculous right now when So that's the exterior, right? That's an exterior oriented thing to say. When you're interior, when you're oriented from within, you would say, huh, why am I having this reaction to this person? What about me feels like this is ridiculous, right? And you also get to go, and this person is being ridiculous. But you, so you recognize the exterior reaction, but then you also are processing what is going on with you on the inside. So again, it's this dualistic way of being in the world. It's one part you know, human, one part divine, one part left brain, one part right brain, right? It's to cultivate the ability to maintain and have both streams of awareness happening for you. And then when you bring them together, right, you are far better off than a person who's only using logic or a person who's only using an intuitive process. So, you know, in my training company that I have, I teach, we teach an integrated approach. It's not about just using your intuition or just using you know, your logic. It's about learning how to use both. That's the superpower. Intuition is not the superpower. It's the integration of intuition with your cognitive faculties. That's the superpower. It's learning how to do both.
0: Yeah. I definitely like, sometimes I call myself an interpreter (laughs) because I feel like I really, as a coach, it's one of the things I really help people do. And uh, just had never articulated it in the way that you just did. And so I just say absolutely yes to that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So those are amazing daily practices. So good. And it's journaling. I couldn't agree more. And it's been coming up a lot in client sessions with me to get people journaling. It's been a real theme of lately. So I'm so glad you mentioned that. I always like to ask, um, and I want to find out how people can find you for sure. But before we get to that question, um, I like to ask my guests to leave our listeners with a challenge related to our topic of discussion.
1: Hmm. A challenge. Um, okay, let me think. Hmm. I know. I I challenge you to trust and act on the next intuitive feeling you have within yourself because it requires action. So just act on it. Just try it. Just try it. It doesn't have to be right. It doesn't matter how it works out. Just give it a shot. Just see. Get
0: curious. (laughs) I would say that. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, Heather, thank you so much. I learned so much. You have such a way of explaining things, of bringing things to life, and just really putting the pieces of the puzzle together to create a really clear picture. You are brilliant at that. And thank you so much for sharing your brilliance on the show.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And if you guys want to know more um, for your listeners who want to know more about the research on how the psychophysiologic, you know, the processes by which and through which intuition works, you can go to my website. It's I think it's heatheralicehe.com forward slash resources. And you can see a ton of videos there talking about intuition, giving you the science behind it, all that good stuff. So it's just a real simple way for that, for you to get started realizing that, oh, this is a thing (laughs) and this is how it works.
0: And it's, it's not, you know, it's not the 1700s anymore. We actually know how this works. Perfect. And we will leave that link in the show notes. So thank you again, Heather. And we'll, we'll leave other links to find her and to get on her mailing list. Um, Do you have a closed Facebook group? I
1: do. Um, If you just search Atmana, A-T-M-A-N-A, Atmana
0: Intuitive Coach Collective. Atmana Intuitive Coach Collective. So get into that closed Facebook group if you're feeling called uh, because this is fascinating stuff and it's very cutting edge. And I think Heather is a brilliant teacher. So uh, I really encourage listeners who's feeling called to this to get into her Uh, Virtual worlds.
1: (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for that. I appreciate it.
0: You're so welcome. And thank you again, Heather, so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you, Allison. And thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I'm so grateful for your support. If you're loving this episode, I'd be so grateful for a rating and review. I hear it all the time that people found me and this episode and this podcast through searches. So the more rating and reviews I have, the higher we appear in the searches. And that's how people find us. And if you'd like help activating your connection to your intuitive voice and spirit guides, then head over to my website, AllisonScammell.com, and download three free guided visioning meditations to help you call in that divine guidance so you can double your business growth and reach in six months' time. Again, that's scammel.com, and you can find a link in the show notes.